Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I think this is a tipping pitches first. We've had guests. We've had plenty of great guests in the past. We've had guests on for extended periods of time. Shout out to all of them. But I don't think we've ever had a guest from the jump, have we? No, I don't think we've ever had a guest host. But there's a there's a first time for everything. And what better time to do that than the start of baseball season, right? Start anew. The birds are singing. Uh, the crack of the bat is ringing in our ears. And Austin Zimmerman is back on the pod. Austin, what's up? Hey guys, how is it going? It's going good. I like how we made you try out to be the guest host of the podcast last year. So <laughs> if, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you will remember, hopefully, because it was a very memorable moment when Austin Zimmerman joined us last year to give his spring training report, mostly about Mac Williamson's power stroke. How's Mac Williamson's power stroke looking this year? It's looking not as good as last year. It's still good. <laughs> He's not, not to be fair, when I saw him last year, I, I saw the, the game where he hit a like 470 foot home run over the batter's eye. Um, and so that left quite an impression on me. Um, this year I saw him hit, you know, a single up the middle and a, a line drive through the five and a half hole. So it was a little less shock and awe, but I think he'll, uh, I think he still has something to contribute. He'll still pull through. So you don't have to get a laser removal for your I Heart Mac Williamson tattoo yet? Uh, no. And luckily I got it somewhere where I can hide it for job <laughs> interviews. So that's not a huge problem. Uh, we're going to go deeper on spring training in a little bit. Um, but first we're going to start out with opening day. I guess not technically opening day, but opening day in Japan is coming this week. I don't know when this podcast is going to go live, but we're recording this Monday night at 11 p.m. Eastern time. So if we start to lose Alex near the end, y'all will know why. Uh, <laughs> but the A's are opening against the Seattle Mariners on Wednesday this week in Japan at 2.35 a.m. Pacific time, I think. Um, yeah. Alex, are you going to wake up at 5 in the morning to watch your A's? Of course. Who do you think I am, <laughs> Bobby? <laughs> yes, I plan to. I plan to be up uh, bleary-eyed, not even awake, no coffee in my veins. But frankly, baseball is possibly the only thing that could substitute caffeine for me and and actually make me feel uh, something, feel alive again. So I'm excited <laughs> to feel something again. Uh, that's going to be nice. I was just remarking the other day to some people here at work that uh, that I haven't really done anything for like four months. And then I was mostly yeah. grateful that baseball is coming back so I can like have a place to go, which being like <laughs> Dodgers games, I guess I have to spend like $20 to have any kind of fun and leave my apartment, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really exciting because now instead of spending the weekends indoors in my room on my laptop, I'm going to get to spend the weekends indoors in my living room in front of the TV. <laughs> and frankly, that's, I'm just incredibly excited for that. What do you make of the opening series in Japan thing? I know it's like really cool from a, for a from a like international baseball perspective, but when it's your team, it's like are you any kind of worried that their rhythm is going to be thrown off and it's going to be an odd start to the season for them? Um 
No, I don't think so. Especially because I think that they do a pretty good job of giving them a berth like on either side of the series Mm -hmm. so that they can adjust to, uh, I guess, being on the other side of the world and then readjust to being back on this side of the world. And, uh, and I think that it's a really cool experience. I think it's certainly a cool experience um, for fans over there to see teams who they don't necessarily get to see all the time, especially if you're like an A's or Mariners fan, or if you're an Ichiro fan, which I'm sure that we're going to talk about. Um, but that's, I think, incredibly exciting that the the Mariners are actually going to play Ichiro Suzuki in the year of our Lord 2019 uh, on opening day in Japan. That's like, I think, a dream come true, honestly. Austin, where are you at on 45-year-old Ichiro with an absolute hose from the outfield today? Oh, I am all over it. <laughs> that was pretty pretty special to watch. And like Alex was saying, it's a pretty cool thing that he's been able to hang around the game this long uh, and that he's really still like a decent ball player um, and he'll get a shot to send it out in Japan. Um, couldn't be more special than that, I think. Um, I don't know if you all saw, but underneath you know, some of the comments under that video where he... Uh, sends that laser to third base, some guy, you know, decides to show his ass and and tell everyone, well, you know, that's like throwing to second base in a major league ballpark. And, (laughs) and, and, um, uh, thankfully, um, uh, Sung Min Kim, who's, uh, writes, writes for lots of different publications. Uh, and I think he's currently in Korea covering KBO, um, managed to shout out Sung Min Kim, former guest of tipping pitches. True. And he managed to uh, manage to set the guy straight by pointing out that the, I think the dimensions of the Tokyo Dome are almost exactly the same as those of Dodger Stadium. Nice. Um, maybe one, I think one foot shorter down each foul pole. But um, so that's what we get for trying to, you know, expand baseball, share it. Our love of baseball with other cultures, other societies is American people being American about it. Yeah. All right, we're going to lightning round some of the, the news of the last baseball week and a half because we haven't had a pod for a little while. Alex was gallivanting around upstate New York. Um, but before we do that, I'm Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. I'm here too. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Tipping Pitches. All right, I want to start with something that we saw, I think just came out today on Twitter, um, tweeted by Jesse Doherty. He tweeted, MLB is at Nationals Camp today workshopping a new communication device for pitchers and catchers. It would allow catchers to type a pitch call with location into a watch that is connected to a watch the pitcher is wearing on the mound, an effort to eliminate sign stealing. So we're going to lightning round through some of these, but I feel like this one might take a little bit longer because we have to break down the Mission Impossible technology that's going on here to call a pitch in the year of our Lord 2019 playing baseball. Do you guys have immediate reactions to the over-techization of baseball? Yeah, it it just seems like a little bit antithetical to everything that uh, folks who are supposedly trying to make baseball better have been doing. Uh, It seems like the the dead time that's going to be involved with like imagine, you know, Chris Sale standing there on the mound like looking at his watch waiting for, you know, whoever it's the catcher is for the Red Sox now like to choose a pitch 
and call it like that's that seems like really the absolute opposite of what you know even even what I want, but also what the people who are you know changing all the rules about baseball want too. Yeah, <laughs> really he's, yeah he's, he's standing there like shit. You guys, what's the Wi-Fi password again? Can, <laughs> can someone come log me into this? This is this disconnected. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> like I need to pair. I need to pair that. With yeah. The dugout. <laughs> Like, yeah, what a what a bizarre thing to suggest. Especially like it feels especially weird to do this sort of thing now after a season full of kind of weird rule changes and fans pretty loudly not necessarily in favor of them and you know, we'll talk about that later, but like I don't know, it just feels like MLB's priorities are kind of all over the place. Uh, Wait, with what? this one, <laughs> uh, especially like, especially funny that like, uh, what was it two years ago? The, uh, not even two years ago, just over the last couple of years, we've had multiple instances of MLB being like, stop with this technology to yeah. use, to steal signs. And Alex, so you like, and I did a whole podcast about the Red Sox Apple Watch scandal. I, yes, we did. And so MLB is like the only way to beat technology is with technology and it's like rob manfred really does just want this game played by robots it's it's clear mlb is trying to disrupt bro yeah they are so are you saying that are you saying that sign stealing isn't actually the number one issue in all of baseball right now (laughs) because i'm finding that hard to believe (laughs) to be really honest (laughs) can i add that our boy lance mccullers jr noted trump supporter uh, he responded to the original Jesse Doherty tweet and said, I like it. And then the fan responded to him saying, do you have any more details as to how it works out? Um, and McCullers was like, no, I honestly know nothing about it. First time I saw it slash heard of it was this tweet, which why, why are, why is MLB trying stuff out like technology stuff that's literally affecting the on-field product that a pitcher and catcher would have to know. And pitchers aren't hearing about it before it's actually being tried out at nationals camp. That's one of mini rant. He said, I feel like the tech is definitely too far ahead for regular signs anymore. We, as the players, want the game crisp for the fans, so less mound visits, etc., and need a way to combat it. So I think he's positing that potentially this might actually cut time off because there's less mound visits happening to talk about new signs that they're adding in. But I thought that they just added a limit to, to mound visits to stop the game from dragging on too long. And this would ostensibly add time per pitch, which would add way more time than just a few mound visits every few innings, right? You'd, you'd think the limit on mound visits would help limit the mound visits. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, have you seen Have you seen catchers put down signs? They're so fast and good at it. Like, the, you have a system that's been in place for, what, the entire eternity of baseball? And Rob Manfred's like, what's going to fix this? is an Apple Watch. Is there a legitimate like, uh, problem, though, with sign stealing from technology in the stands, though? Because wasn't it the Astros who ha- they were accused of, like, having a, basically a suit in the outfield with, like, a high-definition camera just stealing no, signs? No, he was, he, was, he was not in the outfield. He was, like, in the visitor dugout. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Even so, better. Like, the camera well. He was in the camera well of the visitor dugout with, like, a press pass, and they were like, you're not supposed to be here. My reaction to teams who get their signs stolen... Now, I don't think the teams should steal signs. I do. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, but I'm really down with it. I, my, my reaction is, if you don't want your signs to get stolen, just have better signs. Just do something different. 
like maybe let's get a little bit of a preventative measure here as opposed to just like being like, hey, this guy is being mean and stealing our signs and it's not fair. You're kind of cheating. I feel really similar to this as I feel about pitchers getting mad when someone bad flips. If you don't want yep. someone to bad flip, don't give up a home run. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just another solve of a problem that doesn't really exist in that like there's been plenty of research now done that the thing that's making baseball take so long, according to the folks who don't like watching baseball, is that it's the timing between the pitches that does that. It's not the mound visits, it's not any of that stuff. So this Apple Watch thing is just going to, as you said, give us more time in between pitches and make that problem worse. <laughs> I will say it wasn't even specified that it was an Apple Watch, but we just gave Apple some free ads. So we did cut the check. All right. Let's also, move on. also, no, real quick. Like, how <laughs> do we round, my guy? <laughs> how do we? How do we know that Chris Sale isn't just going to be out there like playing Angry Birds? You know, like in between pitches. Like, I sure as hell would. He's just going to be playing like tappy, flappy jump. Or do you still have Flappy the... Bird on your phone? Hell yeah! God, I love you. What right. about Tappy Flappy Jump? Speaking tappy, of stupid one. games that people play, <laughs> Carlos Santana, well who was on the Phillies last year, uh, not a great Phillies season last year and apparently Carlos Santana was frustrated with the fact that a lot of the younger Phillies were playing a lot of Fortnite which if you'll remember since we can't seem to remember more than 48 hours ago in this internet age that we're in Fortnite was a game that people were playing and were really obsessed with the dances or some shit I don't know I never played it but Carlos Santana didn't like it very much so he decided he would take a bat to the TV in the clubhouse that they were playing with Alex did you ever consider taking a bat to the TV in our living room when I was just playing MLB The Show for five straight hours? <laughs> oh, many, many an afternoon. Because <laughs> yes. I kind of wish you did. But I, but I thought better of it because I was like, what would this do to the podcast? You know, this would totally ruin our chemistry. Or actually, it would have made a really good story. So I guess I probably should have done we that. We could have went viral, bro. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think if there's anyone who understands Santana's state of mind, um, it would be my poor, lovely girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to savannah <laughs> shout out to savannah um who has uh definitely looked in my direction in a way that would suggest that the baseball bat was going to head into the television <laughs> while i was playing fortnite can so. i can i ask a serious question about this bat to the tv situation why does gabe kapler still have a job because mm. like it didn't seem like he did very well in his first year from a tactical perspective as we talked about at the beginning when he was bringing in relievers without warming them up, et cetera. And, and, you know, you could overlook that if it were not for the fact that apparently the clubhouse was not doing well either because his players were taking bats to TVs, which is a pretty toxic environment to be in. And then third of all, he had this whole story come out in the past offseason where he covered up a domestic abuse scandal with players who were in the minor league system of the Dodgers. Yet somehow he's still hanging around because why? Because he's fit and has a jawline and they just hired him? I mean, have you seen his muscles? Ooh, like, come on. I, this is going to be the hill that I die on, I think. I just fire him. What? There's a million Gabe Kaplers who discovered P90X in 2009. Yeah, Stan Mickey Calloway in the year of our Lord 2019 if you really want a hashtag fit manager. Or if you want a bumbling manager who doesn't know how to make pitching changes. Yeah, he, fill, <laughs> he checks both boxes. Get yourself a manager who can do both. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Lightning round. Keeping it lightning. Uh, Gio Gonzalez just signed a minor league deal with the New York Yankees. 
Alex, you were griping about this on Twitter that it was not a major league deal because he's been worth over two war every year of his career. Why did he not get paid money to throw a baseball? Um, because the owners are colluding. Uh, free agency is broken. Uh, players are getting exploited. But wait, Bryce left Harper and got right. Oh, mm, shit. Okay. Uh, let me, let me revise Machado. all of that. Uh, everything is good and dandy. Gio Gonzalez just should have been a better negotiator. Sorry, looks like this one's on him. What does this mean for Dallas Keuchel? Look, I know that you want to come out here on your soapbox and say that the Mets should sign him, but I'm going to scoop you on that and say that the A's should actually sign him. <laughs> <Damn> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I literally texted you earlier today about how this was going to be something that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, that you did, but... That's ice cold. Yep. Well, to backstab you right back, um, I don't think any of the starting... I don't think any of the A's starting pitchers would even crack the Astros' starting rotation. Like, none of them. So, have fun trying to win the AOS this year. Uh, yeah? <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> also, a reason why they should sign Dallas Keuchel. Also, a reason why the Mets should sign Dallas Keuchel. Austin, do you have a reason why the Giants should sign Dallas Keuchel? Um, because he's better than a lot of their pitchers, and that's that's all the reason anyone should ever need. <laughs> Another crafty lefty to go along with everyone's fave, Madison Bumgarner. And now Drew Pomeranz and Derek Holland, who are all probably going to be in the starting rotation this those, season. Those, those are names I heard once a few years yeah. ago. I just recently did a thing where I went back and rewatched Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, and boy, oh boy, Derek Holland's mustache. Oh boy. You hate to see it. Yeah. You do. You really... <laughs> He looks like a pizza delivery man in a movie. <laughs> yeah, him and Hunter Pence teamed up to be quite a duo uh, last season. And uh, it's it's a shame that that won't happen this season. But it's also really okay. I think it was uh, in large contrast because Jaime Garcia started that game for the Cardinals, 2011 World Series Game 6. And his beard, I don't think there's ever been a more perfect player beard than Jaime Garcia. That checks out. Yeah, I'm on board with that. <laughs> J.D. Martinez is pretty good too. But, you know, Jaime Garcia not posting weird Hitler memes on Instagram. Mm, that's a bonus. <laughs> the bar is on the ground. <laughs> yeah, seriously, the players that we like are just players that we haven't discovered old, terrible tweets. Which is a, a startlingly small number of them. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. A couple more topics to go in the lightning round. Um, it just recently came out that the Blue Jays are going to pay their minor leaguers more than they have to speaking of the bar being on the ground uh i didn't i actually didn't read much about this story so does someone want to jump in and inform the people it looks like it was a 50 percent raise throughout the organization yeah it's um, like 40 to 50 depending kind of we don't yeah. really know and i think the the general my, my general feeling is this is fantastic you know that someone's doing anything that could be considered decent um but, you know, as you say, the bar's on the floor and it's really not enough. You know, a 50% raise on what, you know, some of these guys are getting two grand or something for a season. Like, that's not even close. Even a 50% raise on 10 grand is not enough to survive in most places. Um, I yeah. mean, not to be fair, if you're playing in the minor leagues, you're, trying, you're not trying to make a living in San Jose. You're trying to make a living in bakersfield so perhaps the cost of living is a little bit lower but still it's not it's not enough <laughs> this this whole story broke um as a result of a story from 
Emily Walden, Ken Rosenthal over at The Athletic. Uh, Ken em- Rosenthal, our king. Ken Rosenthal, our, uh, yeah, ironic king. And Emily Walden, who's actually doing some awesome reporting over there on minor league, uh, just the conditions that minor league players are living in. Uh, and I think really beating the the drum that a lot of them are living in pretty abusive and terrific conditions. Uh, but he chuckles along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else can you even do? Um, yeah. So basically this, like this whole thing, the pay raises were like the result of like a year long study or something like that. Like they did a bunch of research and they were basically like, um, I don't know. It's, not to be cynical about it, but it's very much like a business decision from their part. They they were talking about how like, you know, there's a budgeting process and like, this is a, this is an actual sum of money. And like, we came to the conclusion that like, from a business perspective, we can do X, Y, and Z. And so like, obviously no shit. This is how teams are going to approach this thing, unfortunately, uh, because they still see uh, the, the pool of players as just a, a labor pool to be exploited and to extract their labor from uh still a good thing still they're manipulating vlad jr's service time so like uh, you you guys got a ways to go before we actually applaud you for treating your players well i'm sort of uh, i'm sort of of two minds with this it's like on one hand i want to appeal ideally i would want to appeal to like a person's better sense of humanity we should pay these players so that they can afford to like eat without having to work to second or a second and a third job in the off season, right? On the other hand, it's like owners don't respond to that clearly because you don't get to be a billionaire by appealing to people's humanity. So you you would say, like you said, Alex, this is a smart business decision, right? To to pay your players more so they can afford to train and not have to worry about not training so that they can work their second job and that kind of thing. And like on one hand, I'm like, yes, that's good. Any way that players can make more money is probably the right decision for now before we like blow up the ownership structure of baseball somehow. But on the other hand, it's like if you keep appeasing owners in that way and you only ever appeal to their to their business side, how are you ever going to make the actual strides that you you and I talk about on this podcast a lot in in the sense that like teams should be player owned and fan owned and in the collective bargaining agreement, we shouldn't just make inc- incremental changes we should change the structure of labor and baseball like how are you ever going to make those kind of strides if you're only ever appealing to the business sense of owners i think that's where folks like you know folks like cheryl ring shout out guests of the pod um we only refer to guests of the pod and, yeah i know it's i'm going to go back and scrub ken rosenthal's name from the, podcast. <laughs> the only podcast i listen to is this one so let's see what people are <laughs> but um you know, I mean, folks like that, folks with a real, like, different perspective who have, you know, like, like, she's a lawyer, like, with labor background, like, gets all these, you know, has a this new perspective. Like, the more folks like that that we get really heavily involved in baseball, we're going to start, we, you, we may start seeing um, people coming around. And, and although I, I have to say, in my my experience, my recent experience working in youth baseball, I'm not particularly hopeful for the attitudes of the youth as far as the things that we like to think are happening in our kind of Twitter bubble. But um, anyway, Oof. yeah, tough. tough stuff. It's tough. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think that's where you get um, 
those new perspectives getting and being, you hear people say it all the time. Um, people like, like Mary Craig says stuff like this on Twitter, like, you know, we have to have someone else's voice. Um, and that's from journalism and like the law getting in into actual, the front offices, like shout out to Jessica Mendoza for getting hired. The more perspectives we get in from other places, the more chance we have of a positive development. Yeah. Which is why, uh, why this podcast is uh, three white dudes uh, sitting around and, <laughs> and talking about how to how to change baseball for the better. Seriously, <laughs> Good job boys, we did it. I we know. fixed it. Mission accomplished. Uh, speaking of changing baseball for the better, let's talk about something very serious. And this is our final lightning round topic. Gritty. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> <God damn> <laughs> <laughs> um, Alo, J Rod. What do you guys think? Which one's better? J-Lo is definitely better than A-Rod. J-Lo is just her name. What? Oh, <laughs> oh no. I'm saying the, the couple name. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got to be J-Rod, right? Um, yeah. No, I actually... No, I'm on board with Austin. I'm just going to go J-Lo because she is <laughs> 100... Just she's just A-Rod. She's 100% of that couple. Uh, he's not even close to worthy. So when you say J-Lo, like, you're just referring to the two of them together. You don't need okay. to say his name. That's fair. He's like folded into her as a person. Then, yeah, yeah. he's just been absorbed. He, he's absorbed in the merger. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts on lightning round? Anything that we missed? To tack onto the Blue Jays thing, um, just that I've always felt like the the first team to you know offer its players throughout the organization a living wage would have some kind of advantage in like the draft and actually signing players. Um, from a baseball perspective, once you get past the first couple of rounds where the bonuses are big, you know, you could, I can, I can see guys who are, you know, a guy in his second year of college saying, you know, get drafted by one team and say, well, no, like I don't want to get drafted by that team because there's 10 other teams now that might actually pay me a living wage. So I think that's where Alex's collusion point from earlier comes in though. Right. Because the owners have all agreed so that they won't have to do that and they will all get their equal share of, the player, like the, their equal share of good players without having to spread their equal share of money. But the first owner to like jump that shark is going to reap a, like big time benefits for the, you know, the first season or two. <laughs> except for the fact that the other 29 billionaires are going to have him killed. Well, right. <laughs> Not to get bleak, but that. <laughs> I also just, I want to point out that, um, that player salaries don't impact ticket prices because that's mm-hmm. a myth that gets floated around a lot when this topic comes up by fans that are like, well, it's already expensive enough to go to games. Like it's like minor league games, like aren't necessarily cheap. Um, I, you know, why, why these, these players don't necessarily need to get paid more, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, there's, there's zero correlation there. Like, these these teams are setting the ticket prices. The money is coming straight from the very top. Like they can afford to pay these players more and to make it cheap to go to a game. Like there's those two things can coexist together. And they should, and we should all be very angry and yelling about it all the time. Yeah, and the difference too between like I think what something that's interesting, like but uh, something that is useful to highlight is the difference between a million dollars and a billion dollars, you know? Like Shout out to social network. Yeah. Like the difference between like how much money these players are making and what an absolutely disgusting amount of money these owners are breaking in. Um, I, I was just describing, I've, I've been getting into the habit of 
pontificating on uh, like baseball labor to anyone around me who will pretend to listen to me. So I was on the phone with my mom the other day um, and talking about something not related to baseball at all. And then I, of course, started to talk to her about this. And I was like, you know, the Padres could sign Manny Machado three times over. And at the end of those three contracts, they still would not have, would not have spent $1 billion on their, on players. Right. Like to me, that's insane. Yeah. And she's like, Austin, I just asked you how your day was. She said, <laughs> she said, please, please, I have to go. I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's like 3 a.m. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, that concludes the least lightning lightning round ever done. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go into detail, like we mentioned, about some of those rule changes that our man, the lawyer himself, Rob Manfred, would like to see. Rob Manfred in his crusade to make baseball just like a kind of sort of version of baseball, like like 12% less baseball. Uh, his endless crusade to do that, he and Major League Baseball announced a handful of rule changes this past week to take effect in the 2019-2020 season. Uh, the very first one and the most important one is that Tim Tebow is now officially the face of the MLB. So good on him for coming around to that. Mike Trout, you're canceled. Tim, uh, welcome to the club. <laughs> Mike Trout, you're canceled is like Rob Man. If Rob Manfred had to run for commissioner. That would be his slogan. That would be his slogan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, they released a, a bunch of rule changes and most of them don't really matter. Uh, you will not notice anything. It's stuff about the All-Star Game and about the Home Run Derby, which like, I know we all were really starving for rule changes there. Thank you, Rob, for focusing on the important things. Um, but there were a handful of somewhat important and substance-altering uh, changes that were announced. And, uh, and given how much we talk about how baseball is broken on this podcast... Uh, I think it's fitting for us to maybe run down a few of these. Uh, first one, biggest one, the one that the Players Association didn't agree to. Uh, three batter. Love min- to hear that. Three batter minimum for relievers. Does one of you guys want to take it? Because I don't really feel like talking, yelling for twenty minutes about this dumb thing. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try to play. Uh, I'm gonna try to get inside our man Rob's head. Bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, this is playing with fire right here. Um, Can you imagine if I just became a heel on this podcast, Alex? I just became like, (laughs) like the uh, like arguing for executives all the time. Uh, Yeah, just just play devil's advocate on every point you make. I mean, yeah, you know, that's 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 white men's favorite game. Uh, (laughs) I want to. I really want to understand what Rob Manfred thinks that this is going to do. I suppose that it's like to save time for pitching changes, which I I guess would take maybe like four minutes off of uh, the average game time. But you and I have talked a lot and and yelled into the void quite a bit about how 
There really is not a difference between a three-hour and seven-minute baseball game and a two-hour and 59-minute baseball game, except for the number of hours when you write it out on a website for journalists to talk about how the, the game time is increasing. I guess, like, from Rob Manfred's perspective, it's like, we don't want baseball trending towards just having 15 specialty relievers and changing every batter or every two batters or whatever. But as you and I, Alex, once upon a time, when we were just still recording this podcast in the basement of WNYU, shout out to those days. As you and I have once gotten to a pretty heated argument about, I think there's some ceiling for how much you can do the whole like piggybacking pitchers. You know, we kind of got into the argument about like, will baseball eventually be like three innings, three innings, three innings, and it's just like three pitchers per game, almost similar to how the Astros do it in the minors. Um, I kind of sided on the fact that you still need starters to like take up the bulk of those innings just because relievers are wired to throw harder and will just get injured more. So I don't I don't really understand the logic behind the three batter minimum other than old dudes like Bob Nightingale are mad when Joe Girardi comes in to bring a lefty to face a lefty. Uh, so I did a bad job of getting in Rob Manfred's head, but I guess I just ended up doing the same rant as usual. Can you articulate why this offends you? Like why, other than the fact that the Players Association didn't agree to it, what about the three batter minimum is like offensive to the game of baseball? I think that it takes away a legitimate point of strategy in the game. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry. For the record, Alex, what's your position on the DH? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you NL assholes. Save, okay. save the DH for later. I'm going to have Austin break our tie, but save that for later. Alex I, is like, I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and you threw me off my game now. I don't even know what point I want to make anymore. I'm, I'm sorry. I just think, <laughs> no. um, I, I just think that it's like, there's a there's a legitimate strategy for this sort of thing. And it feels like a very reactionary move to be like, well, the game has trended this way in the last year or two. And so we need to do some, something to stem this quickly. And I just don't think that many fans were clamoring to like cut down on the amount of relievers in the game. And I understand that like when you have an inning that takes like 20 minutes because there were three different pitchers in it or something because of strategy, like that could be annoying, but it's like the 18 inning game that they wanted to clamp down on. Like these things don't happen very often. And if you really want to shave time off, like how about you put in a pitch clock, which you tabled? How about you keep batters in the box? How about you reduce commercial breaks instead of actually altering like a fundamental part of the baseball game which is that like you can just do your pitching changes as you please i think on top of that too in addition to the strategy point which i absolutely agree with and i think you can keep a pin in that discussion for when you think about the dh alex but um get them but i think also when it comes to the fatigue and injury for these pitchers um like you think about the guy who's you know gonna pitch on his third or fourth day in a row um who you would maybe, who you need to pitch because, you know, you'd like to win the game for, for this, that, or the other reason, um, you know, that guy's going to have to throw a whole inning um, or you're going to have to really um, mess around with the, the way that your bullpen functions in order to get that guy to pitch in only one out, you know, to work around the end of the inning or so on and so forth. Um, 
I think you could see more guys getting hurt um, or just worn down relievers because they, there are guys who function on the, you know, on the assumption that they're really only there to put out the fire to get, you know, a couple outs. I also, I'm sad that this uh, puts a dent in the best nickname that baseball has, which is the loogie. Um, how can you not, how can you institute a rule that gets rid of something that pure and that golden and that perfect? That's where I come down on that. Yeah. Also, we've got MOB.com coming out and writing their own defense of these rules, which is like not a great look. It's not like independent, you know, sports writer person with their own opinions comes in defense of these crazy rule changes. It's coming from the league, which is a little bit not a great look, but Mike Petriello wrote this piece talking about, he says, don't worry about it. This is why actually it's not bad and it'll be good. And, and as you guys said, he uses the example of one particular game that he says, well, there was three pitching changes to get three different outs and God, what a travesty this is. And I actually like responded to him on Twitter because I was like, why are you being this way? You know? Um, and he responded back to me and he was like, you know, don't worry we're not changing the game. We're, we're actually unchanging it. Right. Because and these, are, oh. these, are not, these are not direct quotes, by the way. Um, but that he did use the word unchanging um, because he's saying, well, the game, his essential point was the game has changed on its own. And so we're just like setting it back right the way it ought to be. And to me, that was like, it's, it's basically like the MAGA of like baseball. Uh, to be fair in a lot of, places maga is just maga of baseball yikes um <laughs> but but it was it was that that admission to me was like kind of startling like his best defense was that don't worry we're not like the crazy stat nerds who are trying to change you know really change the game we're actually trying to bring it back to how it used to be before people knew how to play better with the rules yeah yeah, if you really give a shit about strategy or parity or anything like that, like make teams have to be more competitive. Like don't yeah. change a stupid rule like this. What Mike Petriello argued reminds me of like something that Alex and I talked about about Jay Adande's article about uh stealing in baseball and how it's drastically declined. Are you going to institute a rule that forces people to steal more? Like you have to have like five stolen base attempts per game or something or or like arbitrarily enforce it back to the point where you thought that baseball was the best or was most aesthetically pleasing or would speed the game up by either, you know, forcing more outs or making it more exciting or whatever you want to call whatever whatever baseball stealing does or whatever base stealing does for you, which I agree with. I think like I think stealing bases is really good for the game. I think it's aesthetically beautiful. I'm gonna be writing for the rigor about how I and most excited to watch the Royals try to steal a bunch of bases, but ultimately be terrible because I hate the Royals. Um, it's weird when you're trying to play God and especially it's especially weird when you're Rob Manfred and you're a lawyer and you're trying to play God for baseball. It's not even like it's, it's not even like there's this huge push from like former players necessarily to like have this rule instituted where you have to face at least three guys. They're kind of more like, well, these people should want to face three guys, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't even necessarily disagree with that. Like, I think if you're, I actually enjoy the long reliever, you know, but I can also respect the fact that not all guys are meant to be long relievers. And if you're a manager and you're handed a team full of dudes who throw 98, but can only get one out before they start walking people or hitting people or throwing it straight down the middle, then that's the, those are the cards you were dealt. 
I just don't understand the arbitrary enforcement of strategy. I do understand rule changes when they affect the physics of the game. Like, I do think pitchers are getting bigger and stronger and reaching further. And I do think at some point that is going to be an advantage that hitters can't overcome based on, like, how ridiculously hard it is to hit a baseball. So, like, the mound change, like, moving it back slowly, maybe maybe moving it, lowering it, like, that kind of thing, I am actually in favor of. But when it comes to, like, actually managers just be stupid, I, I don't really understand it. All right, Alex, what's up next? So uh, that goes into effect in 2020. So like we don't have to worry about that um, imminently. Can we overthrow baseball before then? <laughs> yeah, I sure hope so. Storm the gates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, one other uh, big move is changes in roster size. Um, it sounds boring because it's just a lot of numbers changing, but like there's a real tangible impact here um the active roster is bumped up to 26 and uh and no more 40 man roster expansions uh beginning on september 1st you can expand to 28 and that is it so really drastic changes on this one um and kind of came out of nowhere uh general thoughts off the bat about this i have two quick thoughts in kind of in either direction. And the first is that it's de- this is definitely going to speed up September baseball. Um, Cause when you've like, let's be honest, nobody needs 40 players ready to play each night. It's just too many. Um, and especially like, you know, I, I grew up watching the giants, watching Bruce Bochy, who loves his matchups in the bullpen. Like September games can get a little bit absurd with the, that many players. The flip side of that, though, is actually uh, Bruce Bochy did an interview this spring. He was asked about the rule change, and something he brought up was that, well, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys who are on the bubble as far as having a major league career who are never going to get their shot as major league players to just like appear in a game. Um, that's, you know, that's 12 roster spots that are going to be for guys. And not only taking it a shot to appear, but um, to even if you show up and you're with the team, you get that's a huge boost in your paycheck as well. And so that's kind of the flip side to that coin uh, as far as you know our the consumer's view versus what you don't see at, uh, from the inside perspective. This really hurts my, our man Tim Tebow's chances of making it up in September this year. It does from a purely selfish perspective. Um, although probably by like August he'll be like the second best outfielder on the Mets, but you know that's for a different time. I don't mind the 26th roster spot rule. I do think it did need to come down from 40 in September because that's just like a that's like a 35 percent increase on your team size, which is just random and unnecessary. Why make why make a team play two thirds of the season with a different fundamental strategy to team building? And usually just functioned as like a like a way for I think the 40-man roster often functioned as a way for teams to keep prospects down and be like, well, we'll pull you up in September when the 40-man roster rolls around and you'll get just few enough plate appearances and appear in just few enough games that uh, you're not... We have you for another year of service time or whatever. Um, like, the Mets did that with Ahmed Rosario two years ago. Maybe, like, player the players union could pivot this in a way that you know, you need to call minor leaguers up early because there's no like arbitrary deadline where 
the team is expanding big enough for you to actually justify calling up Pete Alonso. Um, like, I think Pete Alonso will be up before September. God, I hope so this year. But uh, yeah, in general, I I don't I don't care for the well. We'll just leave this prospect down until September, and then we'll just like casually call him up and not really give a shit about how he does at the MLB level because he's one of forty players on the team. Yeah, well, I agree with you that they, it doesn't make sense to change the to literally change baseball for the last month of the season as it has been for the last few decades, um, especially like in the middle of playoff races. It's a very, it's like a bizarre thing that baseball does that no other sport does. Um, yeah. But I I agree that I'm a little wary on how this is going to play out. Uh, I, especially because like you were saying, September is that opportunity to um, see those prospects or bring reinforcements to a bullpen or provide some more um, positional depth for a team that's looking, that's vying to make the playoffs or something like that. Um, and, or, or, or the, the team that's completely out of contention and just kind of wants to come up and, and try new random guys. They, they've also like proposed a potential like maximum number of pitchers on your roster. And it just feels yeah. like a lot of tinkering that they're doing without really kind of knowing how it's going to play out. And they're doing it all at once too, which is really weird. And I know that they're like also doing all this testing in the Atlantic League as well, the Independent League. Um, but it feels like they're just like throwing a lot of things at the wall to see what sticks. And I just... I don't know how I feel about it all together. I don't I, like, I don't think that any of us were necessarily clamoring for this. And I appreciate that, like they're willing to actually have these conversations uh, like with the players association, but I am, I'm, I'm just worried that it's going to somewhat throw things off their axis and teams may have a difficult time kind of adjusting to it. Can I say on that Atlantic league point, it's kind of fucked up what they're doing. Yeah, it's in incredibly League. fucked up. Like, it's really fucked up. Like, not enough people are talking about the fact that they're just using this league full of, like, pretty close to organizational level prospects just as, like, a testing ground. And they're doing really dramatic stuff, like proposing moving the mound back two feet, not two inches, which is almost guaranteed to lead to more injuries. And not only that, not only are they moving it back two feet, but they're doing it in the middle of the season. Yeah. They're, they're going to do it at, like at the mid-season break, and then the, all the bounds are going to get moved back, which is you, people are going to get hurt. Oh, God. It's like they blindfolded themselves and threw darts at the wall for rule changes and just decided that's what they were going to do. And then they did the same thing with the calendar and decided that's when they were going to implement the rule change. It makes absolutely no sense. And these these are guys who are pretty much desperate to get back into an organization. So they don't really have any leverage from the perspective of they're like, well, we're not going to play in this league because because now, you know, you could argue that they're getting even more exposure to MLB, but it's coming at the cost of their literal health and the future of their careers. Um, and not only and not only are the there are all these changes happening at once, but they all many of them address like overlapping issues. And so it's going to be really yeah. difficult to tell if any of them, you know, work, so to speak, um, with regards to pace of play or stuff like that. Because if you've got, you know, 
three different things, three different potential root changes in effect um, that are all addressing this one issue, it's going to be impossible to tell for sure what's actually helping. It's just like the, Rob Manfred didn't take any science classes. It's it's almost like that. <laughs> I'm sure that all these players, though, are going to get significant pay raises for volunteering to be a part of MLB's study, right? Like, I'm sure MLB is going to kick some stipends these players' way because, like, that that only makes sense that they would do that, right? Alex, they're being paid an exposure. Oh, exposure. Alex, have you listened to this podcast once? (laughs) You know the answer to that question. I I actually haven't listened to this podcast ever, as Bobby can attest to. (laughs) I like to tell Alex what I put in as the bloopers at the end, because I know he'll never make it there. (laughs) Occasionally, I fast forward through the real podcast just to listen to the bloopers. There are some people listening right now. There's like one person listening there right now. It's like, damn, they do bloopers at the end. I only listen 45 minutes through. <laughs> it's like it's like after the uh, like the first Marvel movie, and you're like, there's something after the credits. Shit, I, I yeah. left before then. Boy, oh boy, we're the we're the post credit roll of podcasts. Um, <laughs> all right, hit me with the next rule change. Um. Some are effective immediately. Some will wait a year. Uh, but they're changed on the trade deadline. There's only one trade deadline now. It's July 31st. Uh, good. Why were there two dra- trade deadlines before? We don't know. Baseball's a weird sport. Counterpoint. Um, I actually want things to make less sense. <laughs> true. That's so, does, so does Rob Manfred. Me and um, Rob. I told you, I got in Rob Manfred's <laughs> headspace and now I'm poisoned forever. <laughs> uh Mound visits down maximum uh, of five per game now from six per, per game before. Uh, they're reducing commercial break lengths down to two minutes. I don't even know how long they were before. Two minutes uh, and five seconds. Uh, yes. <laughs> in in, in uh, local broadcasts, yeah. I need That's those good. five seconds. That's going to shave some time off. Five seconds is enough to tweet. Yeah, true. <laughs> Let me just point that out. And, uh, and the DL is... Uh, back up to uh, sorry the IL I'm going to make that mistake all season long yep. uh, the IL time is back up to 15 days which is so funny that like they changed this like a year ago <laughs> although I think the language I think the language in this in the IL change actually is only for pitchers um, that was my understanding of, of oh, the yeah, changes right. is that it it's is only it pitchers who will have a minimum of 15 days um, to avoid the kind of far anxiety <laughs> like carousel. Wait, this is, this is insanely funny that a year ago, MLB was like, we're going to make the uh, then DL, uh, we're going to make it 10 days long. And teams were like, oh, awesome. This is a cool way to maybe like game the system a little bit, essentially use it as like a, as like a quasi minor league thing where we can like send players who we don't want on a roster, but like we'll like not use, use it to our advantage. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then MLB is like, wait, we didn't think you guys were going to do something dishonest with this. We thought you would be <laughs> playing the spirit of the rule. Therefore, <laughs> we're going to change half of the rule so that you can't do that anymore. <laughs> like, What? MLB is the most bureaucratic ass thing I've ever seen in my life. MLB more bureaucratic than the United States. Uh, I I want to point out that I find it hilarious that uh, Austin just corrected us on like a like a mini little fact there 
because it made me it made me wonder about all of the times that you and I have just gotten a fact wrong and no one has ever corrected us because it's just you and me talking. <laughs> but like making that little correction for just pitchers, I'm curious about all of the other stats and stuff that we've gotten. Flagrantly I've been keeping wrong. a running list. If you guys want. <laughs> I wish you were. <laughs> I usually text you guys about them afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on rule changes? I actually, I actually, actually do have on? final thoughts. Don't even finish okay. that sentence. Don't, right. don't you okay. dare try to move on yet because you're not off the hook yet. All right. I finally have someone on the other line who thinks <laughs> logically about the designated hitter's role in baseball, Austin, please break the tie. Alex and I have only gotten in like three real arguments in our lives, and I think they're all about baseball, and probably two of them are about the DH. So for the love of God, for the love of the spirit of the game, get all old man with me right now and oh man, tell me about why the DH is some confounded, stupid thing invented by I don't need nerds telling me how to play. My game, go for it, please. I think I think you know you really hit the nail on the head there about the cloud that I'm about to yell at because it is it's just like stupid that that there needs to be a position of players who like don't have to hit, and it's pretty fun when they hit well, and it adds an an extremely interesting and like dramatic layer of strategy, especially into the late innings of baseball games that you just don't get in the AL. It doesn't matter. There's just, there's no, that level of kind of chess doesn't exist in the American league. Alex, would you like a a chance to defend your ridiculous take? I'm going to cut all of this out of the podcast. So know that you're saying it for no one except yourself. (laughs) Awesome. Then I'm going to go off. I actually, I actually do like it when you're at a tense moment in the game and uh, and there yes. are runners on, and you can maybe score runs. Yes, but uh, but instead of letting a real uh, person hit, wow, you can you can just dehumanizing you can just, pitchers, tipping you can pitches. Just, you can just walk the batter, get to the pitcher who you know is going to strike out. That actually, that's actually fun. I actually really enjoy that. That's good for baseball. But the, what you don't realize is, you know, that the late inning situation situation that you have just described wouldn't play out like that because if it's if it's in the late innings then they're going to get a pinch hitter true and who the pinch hitter is depends on who's in the bullpen depends on who's available depends on who pitched in the last three days you know depends on who's got a sore hamstring like all but this happens all the time they always people always walk the number eight hole hitter sure in the the first four innings first five innings it doesn't make it any more interesting well, but I'm just saying that the high leverage scenario that you're discussing is like when the when it counts. Okay, or medium leverage or whatever. It still counts in the third inning. Yeah, but you know, no one's watching in the third inning anyway. The Dodgers That's... fans haven't even gotten there. <laughs> <laughs> the Dodgers fans the are still sitting on the one oh one. They're in uh, the parking lot still. Yeah. Alex, I don't know if you've ever heard of this argument. It's called the slippery slope argument. <laughs> Come with me, friend. Yeah. What's next? Catchers don't have to hit? What's next? Mm-hmm. We just have nine DHs and just pitchers, no fielders? Hey, man, brother. Come on, man. Come on. Name another sport that has the equivalent of a DH. It's soft. It's soft. I hate it's to be like nice. the it's soft person, but uh, it's it's soft. Yeah. Let's play the game the right way here. 
<laughs> yeah, honestly, we should we need to take it back to its roots. I turned into a Giants fan, a fake Giants fan for one <laughs> off season, and suddenly I'm like down with Hunter Strickland and Madison Bumgarner. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Now I will say that I'm not even really down with Hunter. I'm definitely not down with Hunter Strickland, and I'm coming around to the Puig side of things. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, listen, I've always been a fan of Yasio Puig, even as a like lifelong Giants fan. Um, yeah. And it's been some of the harder conversations of my life have been trying to convince my dad that actually it's Madison Bumgarner who's the asshole. <laughs> 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 Which is like, you know, he's an otherwise like really progressive and forward thinking guy, but I just like he won't stick on it. So we're, we're getting there. But. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take we're gonna take another quick break, and when we come back, Austin's gonna give us his spring training report from Arizona. Alright, as I alluded to at the top of the podcast, Austin was on this on this very show about a year ago. I honestly don't know the actual anniversary of Austin's appearance on this pod, but he he shared a copious amount of Mac Williamson takes, who is a power hitting lefty. Lefty, right? No, righty. Righty. Power hitting righty for the San Francisco Giants, whom you are a gigantic lifelong fan of. Um, you went to spring training again this year, which I'm very jealous of. Uh, I wish that I had driven to Arizona. Before Alex and I start asking you questions and trying to live vicariously through your experience in spring training, what are your overwhelming takeaways about the Giants, who are now also my team this oh, season? Yes. Welcome, welcome, Thank Bobby, you. To, the, to the club. As you can uh, tell by the, from the podcast over the last few months, I'm I'm thrilled. I can't do anything <laughs> except talk about them. Um. Yeah, welcome to my whole entire life. So, yeah, some thoughts on the Giants. I saw them play the Padres. I saw them play the Royals. Um, if anyone was interested in what Cam- Cameron Maben is up to, um, it's not hitting. It's not that. <laughs> I actually am interested in Cameron Maben. Five-tool god. He lost the hit tool, but the rest of it is there, I guess? He lost the hit <laughs> tool, but he gained the DUI tool. <laughs> wow. Jesus. Um, <laughs> dark so that's pretty cool um yeah basically the giants need a right-handed hitting fourth outfielder that can play center field and none of none of the folks who are supposed to be doing that um have been hitting the ball i watched cameron maben hit like four or five ground balls to shortstop during batting practice um, yeah so that's really all the image anyone should need i also in this padres game i got to see manny machado which was super cool a ton of fun he's just like you know super slick really fun to watch player made a nice play at third base um but the real story of the day was poor josh naylor who his number was like 87 or something like that i don't know if he's high up on the padres prospect list but he made no fewer than three errors in left field um to be fair, the ball was like swirling around like crazy in the wind, but he did not look like an adult person out there uh, playing the outfield. He's pretty, that's because he's a first baseman. So yeah. 
that's the only thing that I know about him. So why he was in left field? He's is, listed uh, as first weird. baseman and left fielder, for what it's worth. I, yeah, well, it's he's a, like a first base prospect who they were like, let's just put you in left field to see how this works, he's which exactly lots of teams good. do, and it inevitably never works. I'll say this. I'll <laughs> say this. He's not a left fielder. <laughs> um, he's no Cody Bellinger. No, it was tough. It was tough out there. He Buster Posey actually hit a stand up triple. So that should be a pretty good indication. <laughs> That's just the of, end of the sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is great news for folks who are following Posey's recovery for hip surgery, but um, bad news for folks who are following Joshua Naylor's uh, transformation into a corner outfielder. Um, <laughs> corner outfielder is tough, man. Remember when Nelson Cruz lost the World Series for the Rangers by not being able to field a pop-up? Yep. So um, that's the update on the Padres, who are really going to be a terrifying team in three to five years. Um, I got to see um, Rias, the shortstop prospect, and um, Francisco Mejia caught the first six innings of that game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Padres are going to be really scary good. Yeah, are you uh, like looking into your future 100 lost seasons while the Padres win the division? Was that what it was like to be at spring training against the Padres? You know, interestingly enough, I think if Bobby Evans were still the general manager of the Giants, the answer to that question would be unequivocally yes. Um, <laughs> but I am high on Farhan's AD um, and his track record with the athletics and definitely with the Dodgers. Like, this guy knows how to build a baseball team. Um, and so I think despite the obvious strength that is, that's going to be the Padres for the next at least 10 years, um, I have... I have a little, you know, sparkle of hope um, in what Zaidi can bring to a franchise that has been, you know, more willing than most to spend a little bit of money um, in the last few years. So, was there any? Was there? Were there a lot of Padres fans there? Not really. Not a, not a ton of Padres fans. It's um, the Giants have their own complex in yeah. um, right in Old Town Scottsdale. It's a beautiful spot. Um, and actually, now that you say that, now that I'm saying this. Um, Padres were actually split squad that day. Mm. Um, so they had a home game as well. It was interesting, even that Machado came to the giant, to the away game. Um, but I think the reason for that is that they, the Padres coaching staff wanted Machado to face the giants pitchers. Um, the giants opened the series, opened the season with a four game series against San Diego. So I think the idea was to get Machado familiar with some of the pitching staff on the giants. Um, and, and that was kind of the motivation. So I, I felt pretty lucky to get to see Machado um, as, cause I knew they had split squad. So, so no, not, not a ton of Padres fans I figure most of them were at the home game. The next day we had the Royals, um, everyone's favorite Georgian Madison Bumgarner. Actually, he might be from one of the Carolinas. It's not super important. Um, 6.2 innings, no walks, six strikeouts. Um, a lot of swing, a lot of swings and misses, a lot of weak contact. Um, he looks quite good in that game. Mark Melanson, on the other hand, <laughs> oh boy. Mark Melanson gave up one run in one inning and his ERA went down. So, <laughs> and in like, yeah, a lot of hard contact. So that was tough. Um, it was interesting. One of you guys mentioned earlier, I think it might've been you, Bobby, about the Royals, you know, being a team that's going to run a lot. Um, yeah. And I noticed that about that team, they actually, Everyone on that team is really quite fast. Um, 
they've got, you know, between Hamilton, um, Mondesi, and uh, they got even Terrence Cores on the Royals. Um, incredible incredible fast. signing by them. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of really fast guys in the Royals. Um, but by like the seventh or eighth inning, the thing about the Royals is that, you know, they're not a good team. And so <laughs> when, when it came time for the, you know, quote unquote starters to come out of the game and the minor leaguers to come into the game, it was more like the minor leaguers came out of the game and then the, your local high school team came into the game <laughs> because not only it, the game did get pretty ugly after that, the Giants scored, like, I think they put up a seven spot in the eighth inning. Um, there were a couple of errors. The, the pitcher who came in made three throwing errors in the inning um, and stuff like that. But th- that's just the pictures of these guys. They look like, like, like kids, um, yeah. which makes me feel old. Um, and I'm not old, you know, we're not old, right? No. Um, Extremely but, uh, tough that there are baseball players who are coming up that are much younger than us. <laughs> yeah. Nolan Gorman, the Cardinals guy, Pitched on yesterday. He he's born in the year two thousand. Um, that makes really, me want to cry. That's, just, that's <laughs> not a that's not a real year. You can't convince me that's a real year. Juan Soto's um, younger than us, dude. Come on. Jeez. <laughs> but there was a there was a royal um, the first baseman who came in um, young guy with number sixty nine, and that was hilarious. So nice. Uh, okay, wait. Let me read. You said that everyone's favorite Georgian Madison Bumgarner, but that he might be from. One of the Carolinas. He is indeed mm-hmm. from North Carolina. Yeah. Let me read you the early life section of his Wikipedia page because Please it sounds like it's completely fiction. <laughs> Bumgarner was born August 1st, 1989 in Hickory, North Carolina. Alex, do you feel any solidarity with him? He's a Leo. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, good answer. He grew up in an area 10 miles away named Bumtown because of the abundance of people with the surname Bumgarner who have lived there over the years after their ancestors had arrived from Germany. Is this an incest story? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> he grew okay, up cool. in a town with only people named Bumgarner that was nicknamed Bumtown. Next paragraph. He grew up in a log house that his father built, sleeping in a loft at nights. Bumgarner's first word was ball, and by the age of four, he was already playing in a youth baseball league for which his father had to sign a waiver because the league was for five to eight-year-olds. Much like fellow Major League pitcher Brett Cecil, throwing a ball is the only thing Bumgarner does left-handed. Is any of that real? What is that? What is going on? I couldn't write that into a movie. People would be like, all right, dude, you need to relax. <laughs> he grew up in a okay. log house, and his first <laughs> word was ball. My first word was also ball, by the way. Sorry. While we're, while we're out here uh, parroting stories about Madison Bumgarner that may or may not be true. I'd like to just, um, I'd like Quality to just journalism. <laughs> I'd like to add a small one. Facts adjacent podcast. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. I'd like to add a small, uh, anecdote that also may or may not be true that, uh, I think we learned about a few years ago and it would follow with what we've learned from this Wikipedia page. And that's that supposedly, uh, as told to Tom Verducci, uh, our <laughs> favorite of the pod, uh, Madison Bumgarner supposedly, apparently, once dated a girl named Guess Madison, Madison, Madison Bumgarner. Bumgarner. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that true? Almost certainly not. Oh, but, it's, it's almost certainly true. But is it true? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. 
Judging by the fact that everyone is last named Bumgarner, there had to be someone in that town named Madison. It's a very yep. popular 20 to 30 year old women's name. Yep. His nickname was Maddie in high school. And honestly, I find it hard to believe that he accepted that. Yep. I, I understand the switch to Mad Bum, knowing like anything yep. about him. Um, yeah. Or just even looking at him. Yeah, exactly. Just looking at his red Bradley Cooper ass, yeah, a star is born face. Exactly. One more quick thing from the Royals game. Um, Bruce Bochy, who is retiring after this season, um, clearly has stopped giving any fucks about anything as he decided that the hilarious thing to do would be to ignore the fact that Sandoval, Pablo Sandoval had started the two prior games and it was Evan Longoria's turn to play. Um, I'll ignore the fact similarly that Joe Panic had started the previous two games and it was Alan Hansen's turn to get a shot at second base and start the infield along with Madison Bumgarner, the starting pitcher, or not starting pitcher, but the uh, closer essentially from game seven of the 2012 World Series. Um, so that was kind of a hilarious own uh, for the our Royals fans out there. Um, and he like, he was asked about it and kind of was, you know, being coy about it, but but essentially he threw everyone's work schedules off in the final weeks of spring training just for like a dank meme. <laughs> 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 so Bochi does not give a fuck anymore. <laughs> so Bochi basically in another timeline is a is a left irony bro on Twitter is what we're trying to say, right? Yeah, Bochi and Mike Sosha. Last year, don't give a fuck. He's also been on the record saying that he's going to try to get Pablo Sandoval to play all nine positions in the game at some point in the season. So that'll be fun to watch. Wasn't there someone who did that on the Rangers a couple of years ago? Someone did that on the Tigers two years oh, ago. Oh, it was the Tigers. It was the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah. It was what's his name's brother from the Yankees? Romine. The Romine. Yes. One of the Romines. Austin. No, or... Austin's the one on the Yankees. <laughs> Andrew. Uh, Andrew is yeah. the other name. It was like a really arbitrary thing that the manager wanted to do. They were like a 105 loss team. <laughs> like, we need to get this for our guy, Andrew. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely essential that he has something to say about this season 30 years from now. <laughs> uh Austin, I wanted to I wanted to ask you a little bit about like the vibe around spring training. And I imagine I probably asked you a similar question to this last year. Mm-hmm. Um sort of um, I apologize for the incoming humble brag, but I was at I was at Sundance Film Festival like a couple months ago, and uh, it had always been described to me. Sundance had always been described to me as like a like a really cool place where you go and you see a lot of like indie filmmakers who are like trying to get seen and and trying to have their movie picked up. And like to some extent, it still really is like that. Like you go, you meet a lot of like really cool movie people and whatnot. But uh, it's sort of at the point where it's like it's like a lot of like big Hollywood types and whatnot. But then more so like there are companies that like basically pay to buy out like restaurants and, and retail stores and bars and stuff on main street and to rename it. Like this is the lift lounge. And, and this is like the, the TD bank lounge this week. And it's only for that week. Right. I'm wondering if like that is the vibe of like old town Scottsdale in your experience. Like, has it been capitalism yet? Or is it still kind of like only the diehards like out to the baseball field for, for basically no money? Um, and to um, see their team in spring training. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think definitely uh, there's a higher density of folks who are, like, really, like, there for the baseball um, than you would at Oracle Park. 
Um, but you also, you get a couple of different things you get some, in some cases, the similar, like kind of tech, uh, you know, the business mm-hmm. retreat folks, right. Who are like yeah. the Google, the Google staff retreat, uh, who's there for the weekend. And then you also get the, like the, like bachelor party frat bros who are like, you know, they're just like crushing beer cans on their foreheads and getting sunburned. And that's like the baseball thing is secondary. And you hung out <laughs> um, with them, right? Right. Those are my friends. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the, so the last part of your question, that's the, you know, there definitely is a higher density of the kind of baseball first, like folks who are really there to enjoy the game. Um, and the giants specifically are, located right in old town Scottsdale. Um, you know, as opposed to a lot of these other facilities are kind of out in the sticks and, and so it's not as, um, you don't get as much of kind of a ballpark village vibe going on. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but Scottsdale very much is gets overrun with orange and black for this month of March. Um, and they got the signs up and, um, you know, on all the bars, Giants fans, welcome, that kind of thing. So, and so there's a little bit of, of, of kind of monetization and the corporatization of that kind of thing. Um, but it's not, you know, offensively like, um, over the top as far as the, the way that stuff is monetized, uh, yeah. In that way, it's not it's not so so bad, and maybe perhaps part of that is like my choice, right, to be there for the baseball and to not be like I don't care about the you know the happy hour after party at the Salty Senorita. Like maybe if I went to that, I would find some of the things you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah. like for me, my itinerary is like wake up, eat an omelet, go to the ballpark, <laughs> watch batting <laughs> practice, watch the game, come home watch some TV, go to sleep, you know? <laughs> so it's like, um, and now we see why he doesn't want the DH. Yep. <laughs> so um, that's kind of the deal. All right. So we're running a little bit long on time, so we're just yeah. going to move real quick into the final section of the pod. Um, and that is sort of in keeping with this, with your wealth of experience at spring training, we're going to bring back an old friend, <laughs> A segment that Alex and I, I guess, semi-retired, which is uh, just because we didn't want to think of takes anymore. This is like the Ichiro segment, which like kind of retired, but like didn't really. It's just going to like, we'll bring it back when we want to bring it back. (laughs) Half retirement. Um, That's what I hope to be for the rest of my life. Just half retired. Um, It's taking all the way. Ladies and gentlemen. Came in to face Cespedes last night and gave up an RBI double to him. And Cespedes taking all the way on the first pitch. It's a strike. Uh, so if you don't remember, if you're not a literal listener from the very beginning days of the pod, when it was just Alex and I talking about shortstops that we liked. Um, so, so me or Alex's mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, taking all the way is just a segment where we share a hot take that we s- sort of believe there's like a kernel of truth in there, but mostly it's just exaggerated. Uh, so at, Austin, I'm going to force you to go first because you just spent time at Giants Spring Training, and I want you to give me a Giants-related taking all the way hot take. Okay. So I've got a couple for you. My first one is I think that Joey Bart, who is the Giants 2018 first-round pick, I think he plays in the in the majors this season at some point. Wow, okay. Um, so he was in, he, he's only played short-season baseball 
um, thus far. That's my hot take. He's there's got to be some reason that he's still in camp as a guy who's never played full season ball. He's still. I mean, I saw him get an at bat yesterday. So that's that's pretty late to be in camp for a guy like that. So so that's kind of my uh, that's my first taken hot take taken all the way for you. I love that. I he's fun. I'm excited to see him yeah. do uh, do baseball things. Me too. <laughs> um. All right. Before I make you give another one, Alex, let's hear something about the A's. All right. You want an A's hot take? That's what here's I asked an, for. Here's an, here's an A's hot take. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ramon Laureano finishes the year with the highest war on the A's. Okay. Beating out, beating out Matt Chapman, beating out Matt Olson, beating out Chris Davis, my love. Ramon Laureano just picks up right where he left off, absolutely rakes throughout the year. Eh, maybe, maybe, maybe he goes 2020. Maybe he goes 25-20 and uh and and blows people out of the water. So there's my there's my take for you. I love it. That's absolutely never gonna happen. I hate that's that why take. that's literally why these are dumb hot takes. <laughs> Um, I, I can't believe you would do that to Chappie. I love Chappie, and he's gonna if you uh, he's gonna be a top five MVP vote getter next year. But, yeah, uh, Ramon Laureano is gonna put up more war than him. Literally, don't try. Or we were really <laughs> gonna try and poke holes in the <laughs> astronomical, never gonna happen takes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Speaking of astronomical, never gonna happen takes. Here's my taking all the way about the Mets. Yeah, I'm Are ready guys, to. I'm ready to dismantle it. <laughs> Are you guys sitting down? Yeah. Okay. Michael Conforto. supposed to be standing up this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I hope anyone listens to the pod long enough to hear that joke. That was good. Uh, Michael Conforto will have a better WRC Plus this year than Bryce Harper. Oh, wow. Yep. You heard it here first. Bryce Harper... $330 million man. What was it all for, Alex? I'm keeping with my curmudgeonly takes for this podcast. Bryce Harper, not worth the money. Clearly. Clearly, he's going to hit 240 this year. And Michael Conforto is going to have a breakout year. Now one full season removed from his shoulder surgery. So, so you think it's going to be a combination of Bryce performing poorly and Conforto breaking out? Yes. Although, I would contest the phrase breaking out because he's always been good. True. He just has been streaky and injured partially. But when he's actually played for long periods of time, he's been very good. And yeah, I think they refuse to play is, Well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the other Touchy outfielder that Bobby. refuses to stay healthy is actually injured for real at the beginning of this year. So he'll have a chance to actually get regular at-bats. I'm talking about Ioannis Espedes, of course, because he's returning from a heel injury. So Conforto will have a chance to get regular bats at the beginning of the season. And also Terry Collins is not around to like weirdly condemn him to AAA, which was like Terry Collins' favorite thing to do. So that's my take this year. Michael Conforto, higher WRC plus than Bryce Harper. Put it down, mark it down. Today was the day that you guys heard it first. Probably the last day I will hear that take as well. <laughs> Austin, take us home. One more hot take about the Giants. All right, I'm not going to make Austin, I'm not going to make Alex or me do another one because ours no. were bad. That's fine. I got one more. This one's got two parts. All right. Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> Been waiting for this moment. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner traded to the Brewers at the deadline. Wow. In the midst of a Cy Young campaign. Wow. I I buy that. Yeah, I That's like that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's all I got. That's that's all we had to say. We're like, yeah. <laughs> Those are the two parts. That's like a real art of the take 
take right there. Like you yeah. really like crafted it and then like it matured and then it like became a double take, you know? Mm. That's great. Yeah. Some smoky flavor in that one. Are you <laughs> <laughs> Are you are you going to be sad about that? It yeah. Uh, well, yes. I think he'll if he performs. I saw him miss a lot of bats on Sunday. Yeah. Um and if that continues um you know, obviously his velo numbers don't look good, but if that continues, um, he will get traded. And that's something I'm ready for. <laughs> I'd like to say at least out loud, um, it'll be sad. He's been a, you know, a fixture in the franchise, but at the end of the day, like I'm on board with Zaidi's process. Yeah. And I know that that's going to mean we need prospects and we don't need maximum garners 31 through 37 seasons. It'll be like your Justin Verlander moment. Yeah. All right, Alex, anything, any last hot takes that you want to throw out into the world before the A's actually start this season off on Wednesday? Yeah, I actually do have one more hot take. Oh, you and do? I, yeah. I respect I, it. I know you weren't expecting me to, but I, I genuinely, and I believe this one with my entire heart. Get it out right? into the world. Yes, let's hear it. Sign us off with it. Yasiel Puig. Love. Contract year. In a new, in a new more hitter-friendly ballpark. Uh-huh. Fully healthy, yes, and taken under the wing of Joey Votto. Sure, puts up puts up an MVP level campaign and leads the Cincinnati Reds to a playoff spot. Oh my God! To the playoffs? Holy yeah, shit. I mean, they're not, they're not going to win the division, <laughs> but you know what? They they they'll sneak in. They'll sneak into a wild card. Oh wait, are there four wild cards this year? Did Rob Manfred make another rule change that I didn't know about? Oh, did did Michael Conforto just take steroids this offseason? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that reminds me, uh, uh, um, in a weird roundabout way, this year is will be the year, the first year that the A's and Giants make a trade in like thirty years. I how about we trade for Madison Bumgarner so that we can have a person who knows how to pitch? That would Great. be good. We'll yeah, take, that's, uh, that's we'll probably take, what you need. Yeah, we'll take Dustin Fowler. Is that it? Because and, okay. <laughs> and someone else who's better. Like <laughs> okay, you guys suddenly you're starting to like barter <laughs> here on the podcast. I think we're just playing like real life fantasy baseball at this yeah. point. Like <laughs> Except this is not real life. This is a podcast. Yeah. A podcast um, that that needs to end just yes. to bring me yeah. sweet death. <laughs> yes. Every other day has a kick and a shun. Every it's like the day just went You make them alright You make them okay You make me sort of glad That I'll wait until today Alright, uh, we're going to wrap it up there Austin, thank you very much for joining us Thank you guys for having me I really appreciate it <laughs> Thank you to everyone for listening uh, As always, you can find us on Twitter At tipping underscore pitches uh, you can email us at tippingpitchespod. We've actually gotten a couple emails in the last couple of weeks, and I gotta say, Alex and I get so excited whenever we get an email. We send the screenshot of it to each other. Even we <laughs> like can both read it. Yeah. <laughs> like, check this out. Check this out. <laughs> so if you want to be the person to bring us that excitement, or you want to bring us that excitement by rating us on iTunes, we would both be very happy, and I think Austin... I don't want to speak for you, but I think you would be happy for us as well. I would. Did you see I rated you guys on iTunes the other day? I did. I was very, very appreciative of that. Austin's a real one. If you rate us on iTunes, you may be allowed to come on the pod. Can't say <laughs> yes or no to that. <laughs> That's the currency. That's the going rate. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Roller skate skinny.